This is a classic podcast from Unqualified Gamers. Hear more at unqualifiedgamers.com. So in order for me to get this online tomorrow, we need to not say any swears. No swears, no f***ing swears, period. No We could have one or two, but oh my god. I will do my best to not have curses and why am i doing wait why am, why am i doing most of the talking this episode i don't remember why because you you played civ for like 75 hours and you have a ton and you you texted me and you said i could probably talk about civ for like an hour so that i could so that that made me assume that you had a lot to talk about in terms of civ i don't really have much to say about it <sighs> then you f-ing lied to me you ass you just swore twice i told you no swears oh sh- i didn't oh sh- god John, this this opening is going to take me literally all night to edit. And you use that right. I'm impressed. Thank you for that. So hi listener, I'm Cody. I'm John. Yeah, I'll introduce myself. I'll introduce myself. Will you? Yeah. Well, half the time you do it wrong. So, it was Labor Day weekend, this past weekend. One fine Labor Day weekend. Yeah, it was Labor Day weekend, so that that means, like, all we did all weekend was play video games, right? Because that's what you do when you have a holiday, when you're, like, eight years old, right? One fine holiday. Or, in my case, when you're 28 years old, give or take five to eight years according to my acting resume, but you I messed up. I went into, yeah, no, I didn't get to play games pretty much at all this weekend. Um, I went into the wilderness. So explain to me what this wilderness is, because I've, I've like, I've, I've seen it, uh, you know, portrayed in like video in Chrono Trigger, for example, uh, and Skyrim, I, I've seen people play games like that. In, in Zelda, in the uh, Ocarina of Time, there's a temple that the seems temple to of be wilderness. set in some kind of wilderness. So, what is it like? Uh, so, uh, it's a place you go where oftentimes there's woods. I think that's a. Uh, it doesn't have to have woods, but sometimes the wilderness has woods. Uh, but it's a place with outside. That's kind of the characteristic of, I think, wilderness. Um, but, like, outside of what? Um, outside of inside. See, this is where you lose me. S- I have no desire to be in this wilderness. In this nest. outside of inside. No, I, yeah, I, no. I, I got you. So, no, so we went, up to, uh, we went up to a cabin. We went up to my wife's, my wife's grandparents' cabin. Um, and we got to stay there all weekend. My family drove up uh, from, from Illinois to spend the weekend up there. And we just kind of did nothing. Uh, it was really relaxing. We um, like we made fires every night and just kind of hung out by the fire and caught up. And we ate a lot of food. And like there was one day we went to the casino because I love going to the casino. So um, so we did that one day. And most of the time, I, I I read the remainder of A Dance with Dragons. Finally. Oh, um, which I had been working on, on and off for the since the day it came out, which was I don't know a year and a half ago. So I had been working on on 
getting done with that book for a long time. The first time I tried to read it, I made it halfway through, and I was like, this is so, I can't do it. I had just read all of the <laughs> other books, um, which, you know, totals probably about 4,500 pages. And I was like, I, I have to get out of this this guy's writing for a while. Uh, yeah. Because it's very, it's very dense, you know. Um, so, but I finally finished that. Um, and this is not a book review podcast, so I will not spend a ton of time on that, but I was disappointed. So wait, this, this is unqualified, a book, a review, book podcast. review podcast where we literally talk about nothing but books, but books, but right. books, literally nothing but books. So, uh, so I was really disappointed. I was really, dis- I was really disappointed when, uh, when Hester was branded with the scarlet letter in the book. Yeah, it's a traumatic scene. I, I just literally grabbed my copy of A Dance with Dragons, and I'm flipping to my bookmark, which is on page 267. So I, I too, and, and it was interesting to me, and probably not to anyone else, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I did the same thing. Now, you you just reread the series, right? I did. I did. Um, and, and that's when you got plum tuckered out from book, because you read all of them, and then book five came out, but instead of reading book five, you said, I'm going to reread all of them, and then book five. Yeah, well, there was a huge gap of time for me between when I finished up that last book, uh, book four, and then when A Dance of Dragons came out. Like, it was... I don't know. It was probably uh, three years or something like that. Um, so it had been so. I mean, it had been so long that I kind of forgot what had happened. I kind of forgot a lot of the things that happened in the book, and I was like, "Well, I, I kind of want to go back." You know, there's, you know, there's eight billion characters. There's like literally eight billion characters. Yeah. Um, in the book, so. With that many characters, it was just very hard. It's hard to keep it all straight. So, I went back, read the read the book, read all the books again, and then finally I got into Dance of Dragons again. I had been working on it pretty steadily, and then finally I just kind of mainlined it over the course of the weekend. It was the perfect weekend for it. I mean, it's super warm out. We were like on the lake. I was I got a chance to read on the lake. Um, you like I said, did you get a tan? Uh, no, me. Have you seen my skin? Um, so. Uh, yeah, it was just good. It was it was a really good weekend. It was kind of nice to be a little unplugged. Um, I also had a fantasy football draft that occurred over the weekend. Actually, two. Of, oh God! Actually, two of them. So that was another two of my nights were spent doing that. Um, so, so do do we have to re- do we have to talk about fantasy football on the podcast for the next four months? Because I, I don't think we ever have to talk about it again. Other than it is. To me, it is people playing video games without realizing they're playing video games. It's like people. That's why I'm saying it's people video gaming a real life sport and then not realizing that they video gamed it because it's all it's all fucking stats and numbers. I mean, it's like a role playing game. Uh, what did they say about swears? Uh, it's all it's all poopy cocks and twiddle dums. Oh my god! Okay, that's all right. right. I'm writing down the timestamp because. Uh, right after this episode. Wait a minute, you have uh, to you have to censor Twiddly Dumb? Yeah. I'm sorry. Um so I hate you so much. <laughs> You're like, what can I do to ensure that Cody doesn't get to sleep? No, I, I want you What I'll do is I'll just delete the first ten minutes of the podcast so it's just me talking. I promise you I want you to sleep. I promise you I want you to sleep. Um but yeah, so it's like I said, it's people that have video gamified real life sports, which is really cool. Um and so that's why I kind of fall right in with liking it. Um, so yeah, had two drafts and did that, and that was my weekend. 
But it also allowed me to bring with my iPad to do some mobile gaming. That's what I was going to ask, because you said that Tiny Tower, uh, quote, I'm quoting you, got you through your honeymoon, unquote. Uh, yeah, that's right, because I, I couldn't have made it through my honeymoon without it. That's, <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I meant when I said Literally, that, if yeah, that's yeah. what I said. So uh, I did bring my iPad. I didn't do a ton of gaming, but I do have some stuff I can talk about there. So that was my that was like my uh, my great Labor Day weekend. It was nice. I don't recall um, asking for your opinion, actually. Oh, did you not did you not set me up by asking me anything? No, oh. I meant... I meant the things you could talk about later. We're not going to have time for that because I have. Well, hold on. When do you start in? When do you start in Civ Civilization? Uh, four thousand BC. You've got four thousand. Yeah, you start in four thousand. So I've got. Oh God, I've got five thousand nine hundred ninety years to go over in this episode. That only brings you up to nineteen ninety. What year? I know. I haven't finished it yet. Oh, now that makes sense. Yeah. So you. So. You popped your Civ Five cherry, is what you're saying. You could say that. Um, you could say that. So I did. You know, you, you. While you were talking about all that Game of Thrones stuff, I thought of like ten different things I want to talk about, and now here we are, just back right into Civ Five. Because you didn't ask me how my weekend was. How was your weekend? It was. Shit. I played Civ Five. Yeah, I have to edit that out now too. Oh, yeah, here's what I wanted to say is, hey, listener, listen, <clears throat> normally I do a lot of post-production on the podcast, which I'm sure you could tell because it sounds so polished and clean and, um... It's the reason, it's the reason why we are the number, uh, number two video game podcast of all time. I think that's about right. Right. And we're the number one video game podcast on the Unqualified Video Game Podcast uh, Google Plus page. Right. So that's something. Uh, we have over 120 Google Plus followers, by the way, by the way. You just said, by the way, twice. You know, I, I caught myself after I said it, and I, I don't care. Uh, so here we are talking about Civ <laughs> 5. Well, no, here we are talking about the podcast quality, because, listener, I want your feedback. If you hear this episode and you're like, wow, they sounded awful after you hear this then please leave a comment so i know that you care about the quality to some degree because the, like the last episode i mastered that it was like it's like uh that was like george lucas style special edition digitally remastered only i didn't change fundamental plot points like who shot first or ruin anything by changing the song that plays at the very end um that ruined everything <clears throat> yeah it did so uh, there's that. But this episode, um, John and I are recording literally the night before it goes up. So I'm not – I don't have – ain't nobody got time for that because, you know, uh, John, you talked about how your weekend was. This – I can't talk about my last weekend because my last weekend – my Labor Day weekend is this episode because I played 27 and a half hours of a game. Over the weekend? Over the one weekend. That is all of the game. And mind you, I had to work at uh, my radio job for six or seven hours on Sunday. Wow. So that was really over. Now, granted, I had a half day Friday, so that kind of makes up for it. But still, pretty much three days. That is impressive. It is. And all of it is on our Twitch TV page. I streamed literally all of my playing. So you you fell way down the stereotypical... Civ 5 rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. 
It's, it was a so it's a little different. Um, oh, in, but yeah, yes. And before I answer your question, what I was going to say is, since the rest of this episode I'm going to talk about last weekend, I want to mention that next weekend I have a big. There's a big wedding. One of uh, John and John's and my friends are getting married, and my family's coming into town for it. So I have to clean my apartment and edit this podcast. Hence, a lack of polish, if you will. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, so please leave a comment on our Google Plus page or our Tumblr. Probably Google Plus because it's better. Um, or email us at unqualifiedpodcast.gmail.com. We're so accessible. Um, but yes, I, I kind of fell down the rabbit hole. But I, I feel like a lot of Civ Five players have the one more turn problem where they're like, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. But I had the whole Labor Day weekend, and all of my friends were out of town, and I didn't care. So I didn't, like, need to stop. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you never had that problem. However, I did, yes, fall victim, quote-unquote, to the rabbit hole of, God, I want to keep playing this game. Yeah, and, you know, when when it's talking about the one more turn thing, I think really what it's what it's talking about is, like, you queue up something and then you know what's going to happen in like 13 turns. So then you 12 more turn it to get to that point. But by that point, you've also queued up three more things. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So I think that's more of like what the one more turn means more than anything else. Yeah. That in that too, that too, that as well. Now you've played civilization five, correct? Uh, correct. I played a lot of it. I've played a lot of it. Um, I, you know, I did that thing where I got, super obsessed with it for a while then I stopped playing it for a while I jumped back onto it when the first expansion came out for a little bit and then I've dropped back off playing it since again okay so so Gods and Kings is the furthest you've played correct <clears throat> okay because um, I've heard that Brave New World is mind-blowingly good like, it's the new expansion, Brave New World, and it changes the game, and you got to get Brave New World. And I told our friend Will, I was like, look, I was on the Steam Summer Sale, and I got Civ Five, Gods and Kings, and, like, eight other expansions uh, for 25 bucks. Brave New World, by itself, is 30 bucks, Right. Which would be more than I paid for the game and its expansion and several DLC um, pieces, so I was like, I'm not going to pay more than I paid for the original game. I think that makes sense. I think it does. Right? Okay. So I didn't do that. Um, <clears throat> but be aware, listener, that I am considering doing that soon. I just, I'm probably going to be sieved out after this. I got to I gotta be honest. Um, so I, I actually, this was actually the second game I've played. The first one, oh man, I I. I may have done it Friday afternoon, and I just don't remember. I may have done it last Wednesday or Thursday. I I don't remember, but I did set aside a few hours, and I started a game, and I played for a little while using one of the Steam Workshop expansions. This is the first game I've ever owned on Steam that has the Steam Workshop. Do you play around with that a lot? No, not at all. Okay. So I was just browsing around because I, I thought there might be some interesting stuff. There's one – it was because I saw an article – I think Kotaku put it out about um, they created a Beavis and Butthead civilization where you play as Beavis and Butthead. Sure. And there are, are specific buildings and units to them. Like you can – like one of the wonders becomes that hamburger joint where they always go to in the show right. or whatever. 
I'm not a big Beavis and Butthead fan, so I don't know. But um, but I saw that and I was like, oh, you can download stuff. So there's a Westeros uh, pack that that changes all the civilizations to like the houses, like the Lannisters and the Starks and things like that. Uh, I downloaded that. I haven't played with it yet. There's a Hello? Final Fantasy VI balance of uh, ruin and world of or, uh, world of balance and world of ruin map packs, so you can play in like the Final Fantasy VI maps. Um, there, there's a in the the one that I I did on my first game straight up was a religion expansion, and it introduces like something like sixty new religions to the game, and you can choose from them. So, in addition to, uh, you know, are you still there? Yes. Hello. <clears throat> oh yeah, I heard a weird blip, and then your quality became really low, but I can still hear you. I think the I think the internet connection just kind of reset itself between us. <clears throat> yeah, I said lost connection, but here you are. So the last thing that you said was the Westeros pack. That was the last thing I heard. Oh, okay. So there's the Westeros pack where you can play as, you know, like... The different... Uh, the the, Lannister- right, sure, the different, different yeah, houses. Yeah, the different houses. To bring it back to your mention of uh, Dance of Dragons. Right. Uh, the Lannisters, you know, all that stuff, the Starks. Um, there was a Final Fantasy VI map pack where you can, like, use the, the World of Balance or the World of Ruin as your maps. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, and the one that I did my first game with, the first time I ever played the game, I played with a religion expansion that introduces like 60 religions. So in addition to like Christianity, Taoism, Buddhism, Hinduism, all that stuff, you also had like Pastafarianism, Satanism, uh, a, a bunch of niche ones, some, uh, you know. Scientology. I think Scientology might have been I'm one sure of them, it actually. was. Uh, so yeah, uh, and they all provide different bonuses, which is why I liked it because I was like, oh, this will give me some extra, ex- you know, even more variety in addition to the regular extra variety I'm getting from Gods and Kings. Right. So um, that um, that game did not go well. Was it too much? Was it was it too much for like your first game to handle? <clears throat> um, you know, no, 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 not at all, not at all. I, in fact. You know what? I uh, I could, but I'm not going to. But I could right now if I wanted to go back to on our Google Plus page. Now I remember. I actually wrote a, a quite lengthy post about my experience playing um, the game. It was last Friday. It was last Friday. Gotcha. That's right. Okay. It was the Friday after Gen Con. Um, <clears throat> I wrote a post about my experience and talked about some of the things I liked about it and some of the things that I didn't like about it. Um, it's quite lengthy, so feel free to search for that on a Google Plus page. I think I put it on Tumblr, too. But um, the problem with that playthrough was that I, I didn't fully understand the way faith worked, so how to found religions and things like that. Um, I I really didn't understand how the military uh, conquests worked, which is, which is vastly <sighs> different. Oh my god! Because it, I tried to it take changes a city, everything. Yeah, a little bit, like a lot. Because I tried to take a city, and if you don't know how to take a city in that game, you're not going to take that city. Sure. Uh, because basically in this game, you march your units anywhere near a city and they're dead. Well, you have to, I mean, it requires sieging the city is basically what it boils down to. Basically it requires a lot of units. You, you cannot march like three phalanxes at a city and take it over. No, you, you siege it and then, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, exactly. So yeah, but the but the the big change that if you have played other civilization games and have not played Civilization Five is that there's no unit stacking, which was something that was 
you could stack you could stack infinitely onto a spot, couldn't you? Uh, you would I don't get, know about you'd infinitely. Get, I mean, you'd get three of the same unit, you'd create an army out of it, and then you could have multiple armies on the same spot, I know for sure, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and so that was always a thing. Yeah. So um, it's, it's vastly, vastly different in this game. And my problem with the first game was I lost. Um, I just straight up... I mean, I didn't play that it all is the way a through. That is a problem. Yeah, but I, I got to a point, you know, it must have been six to eight hours in, because that's how long those games last. Six or eight or ten or whatever hours in, and I just realized, like, everyone's declaring war on me. I'm kind of screwed. It, it, it wasn't late in the... I mean, it was still, like, 2000 BC, but I only had, like, two or three cities, and I was playing as the Egyptians, I want to say, and everyone just kind of surrounded me, and it just didn't, it didn't go. So I wrote some notes on um, on what I learned from it. And, you know, that's probably actually the best way to to introduce people to um, to this game as opposed to the last Civ game. So I'm actually going to pull up that Google Plus post. Because uh, <clears throat> it's the information age, and we can do that. So... Uh, it was a four-hour game that I lost. I played as the Egyptians on the Prince difficulty, which is the what the game claims is the normal difficulty. Is that three or four? It's four. Okay. Yeah, because uh, Chieftain is the second one, and that's the default, but that's considered kind of beginner-ish, I guess. Right. And, I you, never... and you felt, I have played so many Civ games that... I should be able to play this on normal for my first try. Is that I? I absolutely did not feel that way whatsoever. I read uh, a bunch of. Now I mentioned this on an earlier episode. I read a lot of reviews of Civ Five before I downloaded it, and a lot of people said it was so much easier than Civ Four. I could play it on the hardest level and beat it. Wow. So I'm like, I don't believe you, but okay. So I'll play on normal. We'll see what happens. So. I had heard that Civ Five was easier. So here are the things I didn't realize. I didn't realize that your civilization's happiness is so hard to maintain and how big of a factor it is. So in most Civ games, your citizens are pretty happy. Like it, In my experience, I've just done whatever and the citizens are pretty happy and we're good to go, right? Uh-huh. Uh, this game, no, no, no. If you don't build specific buildings for happiness your people will hate you, and if they hate you enough, they will stop building things, and then everything goes to hell. It's very, very not good. And you need happy citizens in this game. Yeah, you need them. So um, that was something I realized that I need to emphasize. Um, war, again, was was pretty impossible. I tried declaring war on Isabella, the Spanish, I believe, and uh, they just wrecked me. It was ridiculous. Uh, also... Uh, was interesting to learn that you can only fortify one military unit in a city because, of course, you don't need more than one with their new combat system. Because cities have an attack and defense. Cities can actually bombard enemies, for those who don't know. Right. And, uh, of course, many units can't occupy the same space simultaneously. And this is what kind of pissed me off about my first game is because I found the perfect tactical point because I was in a very, very large continent and there it, it kind of hourglassed at one point to a very narrow spot in the center and there was only one tile wide and I built my city right there. So I effectively cut off one half of the continent from the other. And tactically I was like, this is genius, this is so cool. But of course then I lost. <clears throat> so that sucks. Um, wonders I felt have been slightly nerfed. Would you agree? 
the wonders. Uh, there are some wonders that are really game changing. I think some definitely. I agree. Um, I feel some, some others have been nerfed. Like the pyramids used to give you a grant a greenery in every city, which boosted your entire civilization's growth pretty substantially. Yeah. And in this game, it does like one or two things, it, kind of locally. Well, it gives you it gives you two workers, but at the point in the game in which you are building the pyramids, two workers is kind of a big deal. That's true. That's true. And I'm not saying again that they're useless, obviously, but I just felt like overall some of them have been nerfed a little bit. I, I you know, in in Civ Four, I thought they were all very game changing. And I guess what I'm saying is, in this one, they're not sure. all as game changing. Sure. You know, could be an opinion thing or my my play style. Um, again, faith I didn't even address. I had zero faith in my entire civilization. Um, and the biggest game changer and the biggest uh, thing that I'll talk about before I segue into my current game is city states. How do you feel about the city states? I loved them. I absolutely really? loved them as an addition. Yeah, I thought they were. I thought they were a really cool like. If you want to go to, um, it's 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 just giving you some another way to acquire certain resources, um, you know, culture, food for your civilization for maritimes. I mean, it's just I think it's really cool. I really like them, and it's another th- and it's another thing to manage. Uh, which why not, right? Okay, so for those who don't know, city states are cities that are their own civilization, but they don't expand, and they are not competing to win the game. So, like, in my current game, I had Zanzibar as a city-state. And they are AI-controlled. And they're, yeah, yeah, they're always AI. So, uh, well, for me, everything's AI-controlled. Have you played multiplayer? Yeah, a little bit. How is it? Janky. Yeah? Yeah. They got bad netcode. Wow. Uh, um, but- I, I can't imagine that going very well. Yeah, it's just it's way slow, but that's not important. Um, but anyway, the the city states are always AI controlled. Yes. So, um, like for example, I had Zanzibar just uh, half an island away from my uh, from my city or from my capital, right? Um, they have their own borders, and you can uh, you can do you can do a little bit of diplomacy with them. You can pledge to protect them. You can give them gifts to increase your influence with them. Uh, you can gift them uh, money or units to increase your influence with them. And if it gets to a certain level, your influence, it means you become friends. And when you're friends, you get either extra culture points or extra happiness points or extra, um, I think, money maybe for some of them. And there are military city-states that actually will gift you a unit randomly. So you'll occasionally just have a, you know, like a new cavalry pops up. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so they have various benefits, and if you further increase your friendship with them, then you become allies, which means that you'll protect each other, and it's just a very good thing. Your citizens are happy, and you get the, the full range of their bonuses. And so, they ship you their luxury goods, which is really and good. They ship, yes, their luxury goods, which is a big deal, because let's say one of your cities wants salts, yeah. and you become allies of the city-state that suddenly shares their salts, well, then your citizens celebrate we love the emperor day or whatever uh which means that growth is temporarily i think doubled or at least substantially increased in that city it's really good it's, it's really good. it's really good to give your city to, to give your cities what they want yeah very very good so there's all that so did did you have an easy time becoming friends and allies with these city states it 
when I very first started, it was basically all money. Like it was just, it was just make a bunch of money, give them a bunch of money. That was my strategy to it. As I continued to play the game, it became a little more apparent, um, and I was a little more able to give them some of the other things they wanted. Oh yeah, they have missions for you. Like we need you to. Whether it be like harassing another city-state or taking out a uh, a barbarian camp, that kind of thing, it became a little easier to do those kind of things, and that way it wasn't so much of my own money that I was just spending. But it's really easy, if you want to just throw a bunch of money at all the city-states, to do that and be allies with all of them. Yeah. If you have a bunch of money. And this is my problem with the city-states in my current game, is that I never had enough money to give to them. Ever. So, for me, didn't really become fast friends with a lot of them. Sure, and that's where you have to take advantage of some of those other ways of increasing your... When you're playing the game, that's you know where you take advantage of some of those other ways to increase your relationships with them. Sure. That's the biggest difference, and now I will tell you that I am playing as the Egyptians once again because their civilization's bonus is... Plus 15% production speed on Wonders. So you are going like a heavy Wonder game then, is what you're playing. Yeah, and I realize I just said that Wonders have been nerfed to a degree, but there were one or two early ones that I knew I really wanted. And I've, I've always, every time I've played Civilization, I've always wanted to build as many of the Wonders as possible. Sure. In, in Civ Ford especially, if another civilization completed a wonder, I would be pissed. I would just be like, how dare you have a wonder? The worst is always when you pick a wonder that you're building and then they, you're three turns away from completing it and it gets built somewhere else. Oh god, or one turn. I think that actually happened. That happens occasionally too. Uh, now, on the difficulty level that I played when I played it in Civ Four, I don't think that the others had a chance at actually finishing most of their wonders. In this game, it's been much more spread out. Uh, so I'm playing as the Egyptians. Uh, randomly generate a map, second largest map size. Okay. How big do you usually play? I think the majority of the time I'm leaving at defaults. Yeah, that's smart. The large maps are very long games. I, I can tell because you played... 27 hours and <laughs> 27 and a half you played 27 and a half hours and did not finish your game so and it, yeah and it's 1989 and uh i'm not sure what's going to happen now so i'm playing as the egyptians and it and, and i did have a randomly generated map type and it ended up being kind of an archipelago or archipelago how do you say that? it's archipelago archipelago there's a lot of islands uh i also turned off barbarians I think that's kind of game-breaking at the start of the game because they can just you, ransack you. You basically neutered the game for yourself. Congratulations. Oh, shut up. No, Barbarian, it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, you spend your first 40 turns developing a building and a settler, and then you send the settler out like four squares, and then a Barbarian kills him. That's, that's, that's literally game-breaking. Yeah, but then you just start a new game and play another eight hours. Yeah, see, no, no. So I, I I did leave on, like, ancient civilizations. You can find their ruins and gleam stuff from that. But I turn off Barbarians because I think that it unbalances the start of the game in a stupid way. And I just didn't want to deal with it. Next game, I'll probably leave them on. But I turn off Barbarians. Um, 
and uh, went to work on a couple on a couple cities, um, and. I have been reading a lot about the different strategies when you play Civilization. Have you read these strategies? No. So um, they're they have names for all of them. Like one is like Hall and Sprawl or something, and it's it sounds you dirty. basically yeah I know right. You basically just basically there's either you build a few cities that are or it's it's, uh, it's tall and something, and then Sprawl and something. I can't remember offhand, but. Uh, like, oh, it's tall and wall. I think is you have a few cities, so hence tall. They're built up very high, and and the wall part is your militant, I believe. And then sprawl and wall is like having a bunch, and and then they're militant. Um, and I may be getting the terminology wrong, but then the other one is you just have a few large cities and build up a culture victory, victory, or you sprawl out and have a culture victory. Um, and then there's a fifth one, which is just like customizing everything where you just micromanage your entire civilization to go after one goal. Um, but I went with it with a mindset. I went at this game with the mindset. I'm like, okay, I got the basics of Civ five down from my failed four hour game as Egyptians. Uh, I, I understand the system. I've been playing this game a long time. Let's, let's apply one of these strategies and see what happens. And I decided to go with the one where you build as many cities as humanly possible now, I rarely develop much of a military in early game. I actually don't usually touch a military until 1 or 2000 BC. Okay. Which probably isn't the smartest, but that's just how I roll. So I just try to build as many settlers as possible and move them around. Uh, the other thing I will say I love about this game is that you can embark land units. So land units can go across the sea without needing a transport ship. You remember that from Civ Four? Yes little tedious yes oh absolutely little tedious so um i'm glad i did that uh but uh basically as soon as i could i just developed the ability to cross water and just started settling everywhere i possibly could okay so then of course was the first civilization i meet the huns attila the hun i guess they'd be the mongols wouldn't they Uh, they're friendly they're they're not they're a little bit we'll just call them the attilas you we, met we will. The Attilas. And we won't say that they're Gandhi warlike because no one is as warlike as Gandhi. Are you aware of the Gandhi? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Gandhi has a. Why don't you tell the listeners? He's just got a. He's basically got a built-in code to be very aggressive, uh, and and kind of constantly jerkish and warlike. Yeah, and I, I there's like a rumor that it was a an error in the original programming of the game, but the developers thought it was funny, so they just kept it. And it is kind of funny. So it is kind of funny. So of course I meet the Huns and then some wars ensued. Anyway, I won't go I won't go step by step through my entire thing, but here's where I'm at right now. Okay? Um I went to war with Greece at one point. First of all, every civilization has now declared war on me several times. So I don't know what I did, but diplomatically, they don't like me. You you got real big. They don't like it when you get real big. I don't think they like me anyway. I, I, I'll just be randomly going along, and then suddenly four civilizations will declare a war on me. And I'm like, what did I do? I wasn't even doing anything. So whatever. So the Greeks were up my ass, and finally I was like, enough is enough. I'm going to wreck you. And their, uh, not con, I guess kind of their continent was very close to mine. And I spent like several hundred years destroying them. So there you go. Goodbye, Greece. Took Athens, took Sparta, took, took it all. But they're still there. 
they're still lurking because they found a way to settle some two cities. Some godforsaken island somewhere with nothing on it. Godforsaken island somewhere with nothing on them, and they're just sitting there publicly denouncing me over and over again. Denouncing you to every other civilization computer. So you, you can publicly denounce other civilizations in this game, which I guess lowers your street cred with them. So whatever. But finally, I, I leveled like their entire civilization, and now all of a sudden, they okay, they go to war. Okay, great. So we're at peace now, because we signed a treaty, and he gave me a bunch of stuff. Here's my problem. When I went to war with him, I also went to war with all of his city-state allies, which... At the start of the game, there were 20 city-states. I was forced against my will to level two of them. Uh, three, actually. So, in my conquest for Greece, I decided to destroy three city-states. So, okay, I did. Um, so, now there's 17 left. Apparently, Greece is allies with 10 of them. So, here's something else I did. I just finished building the United Nations Wonder. I don't know if you were aware, uh, but Greece's whole shtick, their whole uh, culture is based on city-states. So that's why they are allies with all the city-states. Like in real life? Yeah, like in real life, exactly. Like Alexander the Great, who has apparently lived throughout all of time, right? Uh, is very diplomatic. I don't know if you do that. Um, I did I did know that. Right. Based on this game. Education is edutainment, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, yeah, keep going. So here's what I did. Uh, So I saved it at the end of my turn, 1989, because I'm saving every turn now, just in case. Because I accidentally took Japan's last city on the planet. No, I'm sorry. I took a Chinese city, and I accidentally liberated it, which gives it back to its original owners. Right. Instead of taking over the city. And when I gave it to the original owners, I gave it to Japan, who I was at war with. And Japan had one city left that I was sieging. I I was, like, about to take it over. So I went from on the brink of ending a civilization to giving them a city. Well, that seems like a stupid move. Yeah, it was. So I actually reloaded my autosave from three turns prior and redid those turns, which, of course, took a half hour. And then redid that. So I've been saving every turn. So I saved 1989. We're good to go. 1990 rolls around. Build the United Nations. Because, again, I'm a whore for getting the wonders finished first. Now, the United Nations allows you a diplomatic victory. And in order to get a diplomatic victory, you have to get 10 votes in the United Nations to have people, like, vote you as the leader of the world or whatever. Well, guess what I didn't realize? Those votes come from the city-states? Yep. The votes come from not only civilizations, but also city-states. So as soon as I built the United Nations, it showed me a projected votes uh, list. Number one, Greece. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So you basically handed Greece the game. I basically handed Greece the game. Now, the election wouldn't happen for ten turns. So I I call up Greece, because that's what I do on my telly. On the telephone. It's, 19, it's like 1990. There's, they got phones. There's they no phones, internet right? yet, but there's phones. Right. So I call them up, and I'm like, hey, can I establish an embassy with you? 
And they're like, sure, you will accept your embassy if you give us basically every luxury and strategic resource you have and all your gold. Yeah, the computer's not really fair usually about about wheeling and dealing. No, no. So I give it to him. I'm like, what the hell? I want to know where your capital is. The capital is, and I would say I've I've taken up uh, latitude. Long, longitude is the horizontal one, right? That's that's uh, vertical. Okay, so latitude. So latitudinally, I have probably taken on. I think laterally is the word you were looking for. No, Not literally. Laterally. No, literally latitudinally, I think I have between twenty and thirty-five percent of the map covered, maybe more, which is a good chunk of the world. Um. They are literally in the furthest laterally point from me, Lee. Literally. Lee. Yeah. So I can't get to them in ten turns. So I think when I load up the game in the next week, whenever, who knows, I get the chance to actually play it again, I think I'm going to load it up at 1989, cancel my production of the United Nations, and do something else. Like, finished fighting China, which also randomly declared war on me. Guess what, China? Your caravels and frigates are not doing real well against my nuclear submarines. So suck it dry. The frigates frigates in 1990, huh? Well, they have submarines, too. Just not nuclear submarines. And uh, they have battleships. They have have a, a decent navy. But I'm tearing through some of their island cities, just ripping them new new holes, and then uh, just moving in. Okay, so so that's that has been the trajectory of your game. Then what um what what are you thinking in terms of this game compared to other civs? Because that was the big controversy when this game first came out. Was like, hey, they've changed too much that I just don't like it anymore. Like, I don't like that you can't stack units. That that was a big... That was a big concern that people had when this game first came out. Sure. Um, you don't like it or people were saying I'm that. just saying that in the general, the general zeitgeist for the game, um, that was one of the big issues, you know? Like, they just... In, yeah. There was a dumbing down of the game is, is what the biggest concern was. You know that makes me hot when you say zeitgeist. I zeitgeist it everywhere. Oh, God. Stop. Uh, so, uh, so like, what do you think about that kind of stuff? Like, like compare compare this game now to the other Civ games that you've played. I mean, specifically four, which is what you have the most recent experience with. Um, it's. I don't think different is bad. I think that I I I like to a degree. I like the fact that I don't have to worry about my city's being taken in one turn. Because, like, in Civ Four, it would be, I'm just chilling, I got a new city, I just finished building walls. You know, they could march a phalanx in there, or a legion, they can march one unit in there and take it. And it's done. If it's not garrisoned, right? <clears throat> right, if it's not garrisoned. And even if it is garrisoned, their defense bonus, I mean, it's there, but, you know. Right. So... I think that that's obviously a huge difference when it comes to military. Uh, I have found a way to work around that because now all I do... Well, it's a naval map, so all I do is march battleships into their area, bombard them from outside their range, and then 
you know, send in a Marine and I'm good to go. Um, I have read a lot of complaints online about how the enemy AI is kind of bad when it comes to tactics for, uh, for military tactics. Would you agree, maybe? Uh... I don't know. I t- I typically don't do a lot of aggression when I'm playing, to be honest. So I yeah. I don't deal with a lot of that. I, normally, I'm just defending. I don't I don't yeah. see I I don't have a lot of experience with AI tactics. Okay, okay. I've read that they're bad. So you know, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. They've certainly they're... stomped me in games before. Yeah, they've stomped me as well. So I, I think I don't know. My battleship tactic kind of trumps everything they do. But I don't know. Um, I think the battle change is kind of a preferential thing. I think it's, I think it's fine. It hasn't bothered me to any degree. And I disliked about Civ Four that you would you would have to build sometimes a lot of units to take on a city if it was garrisoned by like twenty guys. So. You know, it's it's a little bit of this and it's a little bit of that. What I, th- I guess is cool about Civ Five is there's virtually no way to make a city completely impenetrable. If you march up 30 units to a city in this game, you're going to take it right. pretty much every time. In Civ Four, that was not true. You could march up 50 units to a city, but if there were 40 garrisoned units, you're not touching it. Right. Um, so I think that was an improvement uh, in that level. Um, I think that... Being able to embark over water is one of the best improvements ever, especially playing on an archipelago map that I am right now. I mean, that's such a welcome addition. Uh, you know, diplomacy is about the same. Pretty much every civilization always hates me, so I just kind of live with it. They randomly declare war on me when I haven't done anything. Sometimes in the in the ancient era, I'll actually just gift them luxury resources and money randomly, and then ten turns later, they'll declare war for no reason. That was very nice of you to give them luxury resources, though. Yeah, I know. Well, apparently not nice enough. So I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but they hate me. So whatever. Um, I think diplomacy is good. I think espionage is fine. I've heard a lot of complaints about espionage, but I don't remember much about espionage from Civ Four, other than you could send a spy into a city and pretty much do the same stuff, right? Sure. So, I mean, espionage to me seems like it could be a little more flushed out. Like, I don't like that it's just menus that you go through. I think it'd be a little better if you had spies you were like maybe actively controlling. But yeah. I don't know. It seems like it's something you can just kind of ignore if you want. Just an espionage in general. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, a very, it's very um downplayed in this. Right. I think that's okay. I, I don't love it. I like, I like that you can just kind of... Because you have to manage so much in this game already. I, I like the movement of the spies. I like that you can just say, I'm assigning you here, go ahead and do your thing. Right. Instead of, how do I move them across the entire world into enemy territory, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, but I don't like the counter-spy stuff. Because it's, like, for me... So, listener, if you're not aware. So, if another spy tries to steal a technology from your civilization, they're doing it in a city, right? So let's say I have four cities. They send somebody to uh, to Thebes, right? Capital of my empire. They send somebody to Thebes. Well, if I put one of my spies there to be a counter agent, then that spy might catch their spy and stop them from stealing that technology. But if their spy goes to another city of mine... 
there's no chance of them stopping it at all. My civilization has probably 50 or 60 cities right now. Like, I'm not even exaggerating because I took over all of Greece right. and most of Japan and a lot of China and three city-states. Like, it's gigantic, right? There's no way in hell I can anticipate accurately where these spies are going to be and how to counter that. So I think that's a little weird. I guess thematically that makes sense, right? So if you've got a bunch of cities, it's a lot harder to figure out where the spy is going to be. Yeah, true. Rather than, yeah, I mean, so, sure. And, you know, there are benefits to expanding cities like that because you're, you're building multiple military units at the same time. That's why large, sprawling empires are good, whereas smaller cities, you know, you need much less culture to advance the culture victory track, so to speak, and that's why you stay small. Yeah. So, I mean, there are benefits to both. True. Uh, so, I think overall the changes have been good. Uh, I like the hexagonal grid. I don't think it's, like, mind-blowingly different. It, like, to me, I'm, I'm not like, God... How could I ever play Civilization ever again without a hexagonal grid? I mean, I, I like it, but it didn't change my life. Um, yeah, I kind of feel the same way as you about that. It didn't really affect much. But maybe if I went back and played Civ 4, I wouldn't like it as much. I don't know. Um, overall, I think I like the changes. I'll I, still pull up Civ Revolution, which I don't know if you've ever played that, but I'll still pull up Civ Revolution occasionally, and I have no problem playing that. I still find that game incredibly fun. I, I told you, I mentioned this, I played the demo on Xbox Live, and it didn't really right. resonate with me. But um, this game, I'm going to finish. I don't know what kind of victory I'm going to have. I'm a little worried because the uh, Arabian nation finished the Apollo program about 25 or 30 turns ago. And uh, I don't know how so, advanced they are. So they're building spaceships. Yeah, so they could win a space race victory if I'm not careful and I don't hurry soon. Um, and is this weird? But on principle, I really don't want to use nuclear weapons in civilization. No. Isn't that kind of interesting, though? Like, my real world... Like, I feel like even if I win using nukes in Civ, I've still kind of lost. I think that's fair. I just think that's kind of interesting that I feel that way. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I uh, I don't want to have to nuke anybody, but I don't know. If the uh, if the Arabian nation wins, then I may have to reset back some turns and just nuke them. Because just at that point, I would have lost anyway. So it's like, let's just go back and show them who's boss. Uh, I'm going to finish this game for sure. And I really, really like pretty much all the stuff about it. It's, I mean, I played 27 and a half hours of it. You can watch the Twitch TV videos. They're all on our Twitch TV of a, channel. Of I, a single game. I mean, that's, yeah. when you're talking about a game that the, the, you know, the point of it is to play multiple games, that's pretty impressive. Is it? Is that the point of it? I don't think that a lot of people get Civ and play a single game and then be done with Civ. That's probably fair. I don't think that's I, a common way that the game is consumed. That's true. And to be fair, after this, I would like to play again on a uh, using one of the mods, but on a smaller map so that I'm forced into a smaller game. I think the map size drastically impacts the length of the game. I don't think it has to do with difficulty or number of civilizations or anything else. I think it's just sheer map size. 
And when you go second largest of like five or six sizes, it's huge. I mean, it's, it's just gigantic. So, um, hugely recommend this game. You can you can definitely pick it up on some sales soon. The one thing I will complain about is I am so sick of the music. I hate the music at this point. I have not even noticed it. It's okay. not even something on my radar. Who do you usually play as? What civilization? Uh, I don't think I've... I think I normally play random, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Okay, well, I know that each civilization has a couple tracks that are custom music. Yes. I hate the Egyptians' music. And I don't know if it, it, it... It's interesting to me that I went on YouTube today and went on a Civilization Five soundtrack playlist, clicked through all the songs and could not find the one that I hate. So then I went through the Gods and Kinks playlist and clicked through a bunch of songs and could not find the one that I hate. So I don't know where this is coming from or if the YouTube videos were just missing or if the playlists were incomplete or whatever, but there are like two or three tracks on the Egyptian playlist that just piss me off at this point. Maybe it's just some playing, somebody playing a really sick joke on you. I don't know, man. And and yes, it's been a 27 and a half hour game, so you'll you'll hear stuff repeat. But here's the thing. Usually when you enter a new era, you know you go from ancient to something to something to something to, to industrial era to modern era to information era. When you cross into a new era, you generally get new music as well. And one of my favorite things about Civ 4 was like if I was playing as the Germans. The Germans I'll probably play as next time. The Germans, you would enter the Renaissance era, and suddenly you have choir music, like from a church choir, and it was beautiful, and it fit the game perfectly, and it was so, so good. And then this game, I, I literally was getting so sick of the music in the uh, Renaissance era that I started developing a technology just to push me into the next era. Like, it wasn't even the best technology for me to develop strategically, but I was like, I just want this advanced tech so I enter a new era and get new music. And I did the same thing when I crossed from the modern era into the information era. And neither time was I rewarded with any new music. At all. I think it's just somebody playing a sick joke. I think Can it's you tell awesome. I'm upset about this? Can you tell I, I'm upset about this? I didn't realize it was such a, a sticking point for you. The next time I play, I'm turning off the music of the game. I'm literally going to turn it off, and I'm going to pull up Pandora, and I'm going to listen to a Dream Theater radio station. I think that's fair. Because I want progressive metal, or whatever the hell they are, while I play Civilization. Sure. So, that that's my one gigantic gripe about this game is the music, but I think that the Steam Workshop is fantastic. I think overall it's improved from the last game. I, I don't I don't see what's missing, I guess. I don't see where it's oh, I can't believe they took us out. It was in Civ 4. Why is it in Civ 5? Like, I don't see that. And maybe it's because you jumped in right when there was a religion expansion and there was a the espionage part of that expansion because that was... Those two things were definitely on the list of things that people missed. Religion was in the Civ Four. Yes, wasn't it? I don't think so. Oh wait, yeah, it was because you could yeah. send uh, missionaries and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. it was. It was different in the last game. I think it's well, yeah, much I, improved in this game. Yeah, it was I definitely love it in this different. Game. Um, yeah. 
I enjoy that's right because you would build units. Yeah, this I like it way better in this game. So I don't know what people are complaining about. And you know, I thought of you specifically, John. <clears throat> Not you, listener. Sorry, but John, I thought of you specifically because somewhere around turn I don't know a hundred and thirty something. I started thinking about the units, and it was like I had this this weird like Neo Matrix moment, you know, where he sees all the code, and I thought to myself, "This is a giant board game." Oh, it absolutely is a giant board game. It and I never felt that way or thought that way until you were talking about the similarities between a video game and board games a couple episodes ago, and it's it's such a board game. It's just a giant impossible to actually make a physical game so they have to make it on a PC video game it is it is it's it's uh it's just got it's got too many moving parts and too many calculations in the background to actually have to actually be a real board game but that's yeah. absolutely what it is is it's just it's a it's a big board game um which yeah. explains why people like me really like it like really enjoy the civilization games um because just like a board game, you play it multiple times, and it's like different every time that you play it. Well, for you, for me, it's like playing Talisman. Because you play one game, it never, ever ends. And then you never want to play it again. And then at the end, somebody else wins anyway. Yeah, it kind of, does. It kind yeah. of does sound that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it's pretty much like Talisman. So that's me and uh, Civ Five Gods and Kings... Um, again, check out our Twitch TV page, twitch.tv slash unqualifiedpodcast, if you want to watch. I don't talk I – don't, I don't think they – I had a mic set up and I said things occasionally, but it wasn't really a thing I narrated for 27 and a half hours straight. Um, so I don't know how interesting – Your body is weak. <laughs> sort of how interesting it will be, but, um, you know, if you want some background music and you want to feel my pain a little bit with me, just – Pop it on sometime. But I will be streaming the rest, like I said, uh, later this week and and probably any other time that I play. Right on. And that's what I did this weekend. So that took uh, forever to talk about. Oh, um, that's an excellent weekend. Well, I mean, you you knew you had a lot to say about Civ Five, So well, and, Go ahead. And it's it's good, too, because, I, I mean, you have obviously explored quite a few of the, of the systems in this game. And you've you like it enough to where you're going to continue to play it for what it sounds like is going to be a long time. <laughs> it's true. Once I do finish this game, I mean, short of doing another shorter game, I'm definitely be moving on and getting to some other stuff. Sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I sure have dug in pretty deep. Did you play any video games this week? I did. Uh, we could talk about them another time though. Um, <laughs> You also did you pre-order the Wind Waker Wii U? Oh no, box? I need to still. I need to. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to pre-order both. Both what? Both Wind Wakers. Okay, so you're you're crazy. <laughs> so so what Nintendo did, which is really interesting here, right? Is they have they've they've announced the release of a Wind Waker. Special edition system, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, when we you, yeah, and it's they've are, they've announced the price drop down from three forty nine to two ninety nine. So that's kind of a it's a bigish deal. You take fifty bucks off, but not only that, you can also get 
it bundled with Wind Waker. The caveat being, you get like a special gold system, right? Uh, no, it's black. Um, but the gamepad has like the Triforce emblem on it. Okay. The caveat being, though, that you uh, you don't get a physical copy of the game. That is correct, right? Correct. You just get a a digital copy of the game that is preloaded onto your system. Mm-hmm. Which, for people that are collecting things, probably not going to fly, right? That's where you're. Ordering. Well, um, it's a digital. My understanding, and I will verify this when I go to GameStop, is that it's a digital download code contained inside. So it's not even preloaded onto the system. Correct. It's a code that you download it. Because if that's the case, then I'm going to pre-order the hard copy of the game and then sell the digital download code to somebody at like a $10 discount or something. Gotcha. So I can basically make it back. And the reason I want to pre-order the game is because if you pre-order Wind Waker HD, the physical game at GameStop, you get a Ganondorf statue. Truly important for everybody to to get. <laughs> Were you aware of this? No. Yeah, you get a Ganondorf figurine. He's a cartoony, stylized Ganondorf like in Wind Waker so, HD. So I'm not really allowed to have any kind of video game uh, paraphernalia decorating anything anymore now that I am a married man uh, in a house. <laughs> however, yeah. however, that is w- one of the reasons why we're having a kid is so I can vicariously live all of my oh. video game desires through my ch- through my child so yeah right so um maybe once the kid is born he won't know what a ganondorf statue is at age zero but maybe by like age five right we can start getting into that wait are you sure it's a he no we don't know yet oh okay we, just uh, refer, we, we refer to it as he but it's it's weird <laughs> yeah i don't know man i'm not i'm not pre- i've never been pregnant that you know of. That I know of. So I can't I can't speak to that. But uh well maybe I will lend you the statue figurine whatever uh, someday. That's good. Uh, again, it can't it can't adorn any of any of my normal rooms in my house, but maybe the nursery, maybe that <laughs> will be okay. It was just funny. A couple people came up to me. One of my coworkers came up to me today and said, "Oh, so man, you're gonna get the PS3 or the Xbox One for, uh, or the PS4 or the Xbox One?" Like, I heard a lot of people like hate on Xbox, but then like, I don't know about Sony, blah blah blah. And I'm just like, dude, I'm getting a Wii U. <laughs> I want to play Zelda. You know what it is? You saw the light that was PC gaming, and you realize now that you can basically get every game on your PC. Hook that up to your TV, and then get all of those games, really a better version of those games. Yeah. And then the only things you can't get are Nintendo games, and that's why you need a Wii U. Pretty much. Yeah. And you can get the games cheaper, because guess what else I bought this weekend? What else did you buy? On sale, Steam, 25% off, Dive Kick. No way, really? Yeah, I bought Dive Kick for $7.50. So next time... We talk, you will have a lot to say about dive and kick and dive kick. I think so. Perfect. I, I almost bought you a I almost gifted you a copy. I came so close. I don't have the right keyboard for it. It's literally two buttons. 
You can assign them to any two keys or buttons. I don't have them on my keyboard. Okay, they're, they're all being yeah. used. That's actually yeah, that's probably right. Uh, I I played a few ranked matches. Someday this week, I'm guessing this this coming weekend, listener. So stay tuned. Keep an eye out on our Twitch on our Twitch page. I'm guessing I'm going to have a bunch of people end up at my apartment at some point playing dive kick for several minutes. Yep, that sounds about right. <laughs> it's so stupidly fun and addictive. But uh, yeah, I did buy it and I did not regret it. Um, and I played some online matches. And some people on Steam talk. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about that. You don't talk? Nope. To people on Steam? Nope. Really? Really. You talk to me when we play Awesome Knots? Yeah, well, I do that because we're playing Awesome Knots. And like that's what you do when you play Awesome Knots. So if you're playing Awesome Knots and matchmaking with strangers, you don't have a mic on? Correct. Why? Because it's so much work. Plus, I'm normally playing it when I'm biking. So it's not really easy to talk and bike at the same time. How do you move your TV that fast? Like, does your wife, like, have it in a car? Like, in the back of a car? I have a... following it with I've got a bike? mechanized system where it's attached with uh, some metal metal rods... Uh, large. If the 55 incher, though, I have to bike down the middle of the road, um, so it's dangerous. Uh, but I have a pretty good route that I take, and so uh, you know, you basically take a big metal frame. The the TV sits out in front of you as you're going. Um, I can't go as fast as I'd like. You know, I'm averaging about 19 and a half miles an hour. Um, sure, yeah, sure. But when I you know when I go into marathon TV training, that's going to be um, I'll have to start training at like 22. Uh, miles an hour and so it, it's going to change a little bit um, yeah right but that's that's why it's just not convenient uh and then the tower has to sit on the back of the bike um, that also is very not made up attached to a generator yeah still still sounds very not made up so thank you for that enlightenment yeah and uh thank you listener for joining us this week and staying with us and stay, through the end of the episode. Through the end of our lifetimes, because I, we'll, I, we'll be doing this forever, listener. It's, it's literally true. I want uh, did you, oh yeah, well I was going to say what did you play this weekend, but you were in the woods uh, reading about Dance of Dragons. I'll let you know how that Game of Thrones um, plug-in goes. I, I'm not going to be able to start a new Civ game in the next week, though. <sighs> Poor us. Um, we didn't plug our, our stuff. So, real quick, you can find us on videogamepodcast.tumblr.com. That's where all of our, uh, that's where you get get access to all of our podcasts. You might be listening to this on that site right now. Um, we're also on Google Plus. Just look up Unqualified a Video Game Podcast. And the thing I would really like to stress is if you like the podcast, do us a favor, drop us a review on iTunes. Uh, I think that is the majority of the way that people find new podcasts when they're just kind of searching randomly because they search by ratings and reviews uh, based on the categories of things that they're going for. So, you know, drop us a review on iTunes. Um, that would be great. And yes, please do. And I know some of you are subscribing because based on our stats, I know that there are iTunes subscribers. So if you're subscribing, you're probably listening to this. If you're listening to this, you probably like us to some degree. And if you like us to some degree, we would love you if you, you know, gave us preferably positive review. Exactly. So uh, those are kind of the main places you can find us. You can also find us on Twitter. Uh, I am at Eat Play Game. Cody is at Producer Cody. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I think we're going to do our first giveaway soon. I'm in. 
Uh, can I win? No, that's why you're not actually in. Oh, but um, this is a he, stupid. <laughs> this is a stupid contest. <laughs> if you keep your eyes on on social media, I've got a couple um, video games that I would rather give away than sell. Sure, uh, they're not worthless. They are current generation games. I just have no interest in keeping them anymore and don't feel like exerting the effort to sell them on Craigslist. And I'd rather not go to GameStop to get $1.50 for them. Fair enough. So there's that. So, yeah, follow us. Listen more. Uh, I promise I'll let John talk on the next podcast. (laughs) You never let me talk. No, I don't. I really... I really do. I'll tell you what I don't do, what I really, really don't do. So tell me what you don't do, what you really, really don't do. You really, uh, you really, uh. You know who that was? Nope. Spice Girls? That's not Spice Girls. That was the Spice It was that, literally the Spice. Uh, that was Posh Spice. Just came in my bedroom, did that. That was not, and now she, it was not the Spice Girls. No, what? Now Posh I Spice. I know the Spice Girls. No, Posh Spice is lying on my bed right, literally right now waiting for me to take her. I don't know which one that is. We have to, edit, we have to edit that out. Why? Because take her is, uh, is inappropriate. No, I was talking about wrestling. I was talking about the Undertaker. Ah, gotcha. Body slam. <laughs> Stone Cold Stunner. Stone Cold Stun Her. Uh, you could say that was a stunning conclusion. Pun cast. <laughs> <laughs>